This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. There exists in this world dining establishments where everything is served in pitch darkness. Without light, the other senses are heightened, enhancing the taste of meals. We like to think we do much the same, but we serve only eerie sound. Does it cleanse your palate, intrepid listeners? October is here, our favorite time of year. A month of tricks, treats, and terrors awaits us, dear guests. And we have a special one for you tonight. It is to require you to follow me, so please watch your step as we descend. Please mind the cooks. They are masters of the craft. I can smell even the slightest fifth of unease. Come along now. Here in our vaults, vintage tales of macabre finds are kept safe and secure and are ready to be served. For the sake of tonight's telling, we offer the words of the teller itself. I believe his door is... Uh... Ah, right here. Don't worry, this one is mostly harmless. You may begin. Stop. I said stop. That's you. Yes, you, the listener. I want you to stop. I want you to stop moving. I want you to stop breathing. See how long you can hold your breath. Are you doing it? Are you holding your breath? Can you feel the nagging feeling, calling on you to open your mouth and inhale? Can you resist it? Do you see how unnatural it is? Breathing is what keeps you inside this world. It is something your body does without thought, without command. You have to tell yourself not to do it. Almost every other action occurs at your command. Breathing occurs at the lack of command. You have to force yourself to stop doing it, and it gets more and more difficult to do. Your entire body screams at you to open your mouth and inhale. Your own mind reminds you again and again that you must breathe. It pulls you like gravity down again and again until you can't think of anything else, can't do anything else until you take a breath. Your body and your own mind wants you to. It wants you to suck in the air that keeps you where your mind and body want you to be, where they think you should be. Can you resist them? What if they're wrong? That is what it feels like. Feel an itch? Don't scratch it. It's an odd thing, isn't it? Here is a function of your body to tell you when something is wrong. It will warn you when something is happening to your skin. It will tell you when there are insects crawling all over you, climbing over your flesh, into your ears, your mouth, and burrowing into your skin. It will tell you when they lay eggs inside you, or when they're young, form a boil which will burst forth with maggots climbing out to feast on your flesh. 
It will tell you when your skin is infected, with holes and bumps forming over your body as you rot alive. And yet, it is so easily deceived. Most of the time, it is for nothing. Can you be certain that it will work when you need it, to give you the warning you need? What if your skin is numb? What if the insects infect you so you can't feel it? What if your eyes then deceive you, as part of the insect's poison, so that you can't see it, and it will continue inside of you? What if this is happening right now? Feel the itch yet? Such a fickle thing, isn't it? All I have to do is mention it, and chances are you felt it. It's in your mind now. I bet it is nagging at you now, demanding your attention. Though you know there is nothing there, it is almost impossible to resist its call. Even if you know it is almost guaranteed that there is nothing there, that the odds against it are being an insect in your skin are a thousand to one, a million to one, a billion to one, your body still demands you do it, to be sure. It is always better to be sure. That is what it feels like. Can you resist it? If not, I can't blame you. Then again, it means you can't blame me for what I did either. Still holding your breath? Did you manage to resist the urge for that long? If you didn't, I can't blame you. You gave in to the constant nagging feeling that you must do something. But if that's so, then you can't blame me for what I did either, or for what they said I did. And if you're still holding your breath, let me ask you this. Are you conscious? Are you sure? If you were unconscious, would you know it? You may very well have passed out from lack of air. Your mind would shut you down, but it wouldn't let you know you've shut down. It would tell you you were awake. It would make you dream, show you images and play you sounds you can't tell from reality. Drowning men think they are on land. Unconscious boxers think that they are still fighting. Men spend years in comas, their minds telling them that they are in another place, in another time, and they have no way to tell the difference. The same goes for madmen, or what we so arrogantly call madmen. They see the world in a completely different way, but have no idea what they do. To them, reality is simply different, and we are the ones who are wrong. Nothing can tell them otherwise. Even if you trick them into having moments of clarity, with pills or by talking to them, they will simply dismiss it as something fooling them. Reality is their dream. Dreams are their reality. So let me ask again, are you conscious? If you are certain that answer is yes, let me ask you something else. Are you a god? An all-knowing being capable of being certain of the entire universe? Or are you a liar? If you are a liar, who are you lying to? Me? Or yourself? Are you alive? Same question as before. You may breathe now if you haven't already. If you are listening to this, it means that it exists within whichever world your mind tells you you are in. If you suffocate your mind, this may no longer be true. Before it happened, I had a room to myself in an old apartment building. Everything in it was perfect. The walls were painted in a solid dark blue color. There was one window kept constantly shut and with the blinds closed. There were no paintings on the walls. That would only clutter it. To the immediate right of the door was a perfectly clean small fridge, sink, and stove that served as my kitchen. All the food was arrayed in perfect lines in their proper place, so I always knew where they were. To the immediate right of the door was a perfectly straight line of shoes in front of the closet where my clothes were hung on their proper order. There was a narrow bed in the far left corner, always properly made. 
There was a nightstand with a dim lamp beside it, the only light I needed. In the right corner was a door that led to a simple, functional bathroom. Everything was perfectly organized, perfectly spaced, and perfectly straight and in its place. It was everything I needed. Every night, I would make sure it was perfect. I'd check the fridge, seeing everything in its proper place. I'd touch everything inside to see if I could feel them. Then, I'd close my eyes and do the same, in case my eyes were lying and my hands believed them. I'd check my clothes and my shoes, lined up perfectly in the closet. Again, I'd see them, then touch them, then repeat the process with my eyes closed. If I could ensure that they were always in the exact right place, in the perfect straight lines each time, I could be certain they were there. I'd check everything the same way. My TV stand, my bathroom, my bed. The lock on my door must always be locked and the window must always be shut so that nothing could come in to disturb the perfection of my room. I'd finish by going around the room, tapping on all the walls. I'd make sure that my hands and ears always agreed with my eyes. My hands must stop where my eyes said the wall was. My ears must hear the sound. Then I'd do the same thing again with my eyes closed. I'd turn off the light and turn it on again, lest it lit up a different room than the one I was in before. I'd check everything again, and if they were all the same, I could sleep. After this, I couldn't touch anything but the bed. If I turned on the light, it may create a different room, and I'd have to check it again. If I knocked something over, it may not land where it was supposed to, and I would have to check to see if it was where my eyes told me it was. If I kept going, I could never stop. There were times when I would spend days on end going over everything again and again and again and again and again. Each time, something new would happen, something would change, and I'd have to start over again. Some people told me I had a problem. They took me to see a doctor and he tried to get me to stop. But how could I? It was like breathing. I didn't do it because I wanted to. I did it because I had to. If I didn't think of it, my body would do it on its own. I have to order it not to. If I tried to order it to stop, then that feeling would grow inside me until I simply had to do it. Nothing else could get done. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't even breathe unless I knew that the room was real. Or it was like the itch. It was nagging me, telling me something was wrong. I may be almost certain the room was there, but could I ever be completely certain? Even if it was a billion to one that the room existed... Did it not make sense to check it just one more time to make it a billion to one to one? Does not the horror of having been deceived by your own senses outweigh the moments it takes to tap on the wall? So you see, I had no choice but to continue doing it, as you now have no choice but to breathe or to feel an itch. If I could check, then I could be that much more sure that everything was there and I could rest. Everything was perfect. Everything was in its right place. But then it came in. It had to come in to wreck my perfect existence. It began with a noise. It came down the hall one day to the room beside mine. It let out ceaseless, high-pitched whining sound. It sounded like a broken trumpet some fool still tried to play, thinking he was making music. The sound was awful, grating, burning into my ears and wrecked my concentration. How could I properly survey my room with that unending drone? It was disgusting. It was massive. It was a massive, soft thing that moved slowly and in a swaying fashion. It had a brown, moss-like mass of hair growing around its head that hung down its body in a mangled mess. It was covered with spots and constantly stunk of sweat. 
What's more is that it mocked me. It disagreed with my ways and tried to change my reality. When I wasn't looking, it would come into my room to to move things. It must take them out of order. It would put them in the wrong place. It claimed that it didn't touch them, but I knew it was lying. That it must laugh at me. It would laugh in the same high-pitched whining noise. Laugh at my efforts to restore the room as it should be, as it must be. Then it would change them again and laugh at me again as if it was wrong. As if I was the one who was the fool. It didn't understand what I was doing. That I had to check everything to be sure. And what it didn't understand, it hated. I would try to force it out. But it was bigger than me. And I couldn't budge it. Finally, it would leave. And I would lock the door, checking again and again to ensure it was locked. No fewer than 50 times I would turn the lock to make sure that that... That thing wouldn't come in again. But somehow it always did. But the horror didn't stop there. Even when it was outside my room, it could still influence it. I tried to sleep. I checked all the objects in my room, all the clothes and the food, all the furniture, the lock on the window, my bed, all the walls, and everything else, and went to sleep. But then it started again with its noise. The same droning, whining, irritating sound that was constantly emitted from it when it came into my room. That noise it used to mock me, to laugh at me as it ruined everything I did, It woke me up, and I knew that it had changed something. But what was more was that it was too close. I knew how big my room was. I knew how big its room was. There was no way that the sound could have been coming from where I heard it. Something was wrong. I checked everything again, going over everything twice, four times, five times. Everything was there, and I slept again. Then the sound came again. I checked everything over a dozen times. Everything was there, and I slept. Again, it came, and again, I checked everything 30 times over, and, and, and something changed. I went around the room, tapping the walls. I hit every wall where I should have, where my eyes told me they were. Then, to check again, I closed my eyes and reached forward, and hit nothing. My hand went straight through where the wall should have been, where my eyes had told me it was. I opened my eyes. I reached out again and hit the wall. I closed them, reached out, and hit nothing. I stood, staring for what seemed like hours, trying to understand what had just happened. In a hundred million trials, never had my eyes and my hands disagreed with each other. But now, on the hundred million and first trial, they were wrong. Even a one in a million chance will occur eventually, and I had to hit that number. The wall was there, and it wasn't. Eyes open, it was there. Eyes closed, it wasn't. But the sound, the sound was right behind the wall when my eyes were open. It was too close. It didn't make sense with what my eyes told me. But when my eyes were closed, the wall wasn't there, and the sound made sense. Perhaps it was how I it entered my room. So the sound existed. But it was changing my reality. It had interfered with my room and forced me to check everything again and again and again and again and again. I closed my eyes and reached through the wall. Or more, I reached through where I had once thought a wall to be. I found the source of the noise behind where the wall used to be, if it had ever existed. I found it, the thing that had produced the relentless, irritating sound that had forced me to check everything again and again, and then mocked my efforts. I had to stop the noise. I could not, I couldn't not stop it. Even if I resisted, my body kept commanding that I do it. And I gave in. 
like you give in to the need to breathe or to itch. I gave in the need to stop the noise. I grabbed hold of the source of the noise. It was soft, and I realized I could easily break it and stop it from producing that irritating whine. I squeezed it, trying to shut it off. It struggled against me, but it was futile. In its reality wasn't my reality, and I had control over my own world. In my reality, I was all-powerful. It could not resist me. I squeezed with all my might. I squeezed and squeezed until I heard a crack. Soon, the noise stopped. It left me in peace. I backed away and opened my eyes, restoring the wall to where it was before. I went to sleep, finally able to rest, safely knowing the truth of my existence. This is when the other world ceased to be. That fake world, that lie that my eyes told me, was no longer there. I no longer needed to check everything, to tap things to see if they were real. I knew that they weren't. I had found the truth. The old world stopped. The old time stopped. And now, now that the old world is gone, now that it has stopped, now, because its time no longer affects me, I am the real world. I am no longer deceived. Now I am out of the room. Now I am gone. Now I am in the real world. Now I do as I please, change what I want, and do not have to worry about the other reality taking over my existence. Every so often I am forced out of my world. People force me back to then. Back to the old time, to the old fake world. They give me pills which deceive my senses. They talk to me and tell me things that are lies. And then I am in their world again with their time and their lies. A fake world where I once lived in my own room. Then in a room they put me in with padded walls and chains. In that time where I was called a madman, a criminal. But how could I be a criminal? I never really existed anyway. It was simply a figment of my imagination that I chose to end. And when they would force me into that world, I would be deceived only for a moment. All I would need to do is shut my eyes and reach forward towards the wall. When I feel nothing, I know for certain the wall is not there, and I return to my own reality. Here, I know that the world they want me to be in does not exist. They are insane, and forced me to take pills that made me insane as well. The pills deceived my eyes for a moment, but I was too strong for them. No matter. The last time they forced me into that fake world, I ended their ability to do so. They tried to make me eat their own food, which was filled with the same poisons and diseases they were tricking my senses into seeing this fake world. When they weren't looking, I took a knife. I jammed it into my own eyes, those lying orbs that tried to deceive me into thinking that my world was fake and theirs was real. Soon I will do the same to my ears so I can no longer hear their lies. They tried to stop me, but I was too powerful. They lived in their world and in their time, and I live in mine. And now, I no longer have to worry about the world. I live only in my own. My eyes can no longer deceive me, and soon my ears will no longer hear lies. They are there to deceive me, but I know better. I know what the real world. I know what is real and what is not. I know what is truth. I know what is real. And my world is real. <sighs> Poor fellow. Clearly deluded. He has no idea where he actually is, and we do our best to make him comfortable regardless. Then again, he may have a point. Is any of this real? 
Is the world around you more tenuous than you think? Leftovers for you to ponder, I suppose. Until next week and win pleasant dreams. <laughs> <laughs>